for you up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and we see here we do have the pre It's been sixteen months since I made one of these podcasts. Sixteen months. Talking more, yeah. Talking. You guys are talking. We're talking. Oh, really? A lot of talkers. I would agree with that. This podcast (laughs) is called Erase the Filter. Erase the Filter. Erase the Filter. Sixteen months. I published it on this website, erasethefilter.com, on May 31st, 2020. May 2020, April 2020, March 2020. I was chatting with friends on Friday, March 13th, 2020. It was happy hour at the Candy Factory. That's a co-working space in Lancaster, PA, where we were talking about the virus that was making the news. We weren't wearing masks or thinking about how much space was between us. We were just standing around the bar having a conversation like we did every Friday afternoon. Things were being canceled around the world. Big festivals like South by Southwest weren't happening. So we knew it was possible that we could be locked down, but we didn't really know for sure and really even what that meant. It was March 13th. I asked the question, how long do you think this is going to last? Both Sarah and Steve said, "Ah, a couple of weeks max. After a couple of weeks, we should have everything under control and not really even be talking about it so much. I wasn't so sure. I felt pessimistic. So I went out on a limb and said that I thought this was going to be pretty disruptive until the middle of May. May 2020. A few minutes into that podcast episode, I made a statement about how many people had died from COVID-19 in the United States, questioning whether or not that number would eventually be seen as just the beginning or close to the end. Here's what I said, May 31st, 2020. As of this recording, the families and friends of 97,000 Americans have experienced the loss of loved ones because of a virus that only months ago was barely even known. That number is over 340,000 worldwide. I wonder what it will be like to listen back to this recording in three months or six months or a year or even 10 years. Will I hear those numbers and say, yeah, that was pretty close to the end of this thing? Or will I shake my head at how it is just getting started? Only time will tell. Well, now it's September 2021, and as of this recording, the number of COVID deaths in the United States is somewhere in the ballpark of 680,000. So yeah, 16 months later, it's pretty safe to say that things were just getting started in May 2020. In June of last year, we reopened the candy factory after three months of lockdown. My partner Ann founded it 11 years ago, and I help out with it when I'm not doing other things like making software and podcasts. We reopened to a significantly different community than the one we closed with three months prior. We had reworked the physical layout of the 20,000 square foot facility to allow for social distancing. We implemented rigorous cleaning and sanitation protocols. We cautiously returned to spending time with other people, six feet apart or masked, and mostly outside. Frankly, it was a really weird summer. There was a lot going on. A lot. There seemed to be a split among the creative people I know and that I try to follow. Some people poured everything they had into their art. They stayed productive or became even more productive than before the pandemic, what we jokingly refer to as the before times. Other creatives seemed to get really bogged down by everything that was going on, losing their drive, their desire, or just the energy to create and be productive. I was in the latter group. The additional energy that living with COVID required day-to-day drained me. 
and I simply didn't feel like creating. COVID was remarkably only part of the collective story that unfolded last year. On May 25th, 2020, just six days before I released the last episode of this podcast, George Floyd, an African-American man from Minneapolis, was murdered by a police officer during an arrest for allegedly using a counterfeit $20 bill in a corner store. The death penalty with no trial. Unbelievable. No, scratch that. Too believable. Protests against police brutality ensued, some turning violent and destructive, others peaceful and orderly. But the protests spread across the country and lasted for months, further dividing an already extremely divided country. All of this. Exacerbated by a crashing economy, soaring unemployment, a deadly virus spreading through the population like the insane annual wildfires in the western edge of the United States, the summer of 2020 was unlike anything I could have ever imagined. The only thing that could notch that summer up even more would be the most contentious and surreal presidential election that I'll hopefully ever experience. Trump and Biden, two old white guys in their mid-70s yelling at each other like a couple whiny middle schoolers. The country digging in like we've never witnessed in my lifetime. Us versus them. Hate the other side. They're not worth anything. Oh, and the other guy, the runner-up white guy, 79 years old, named Bernie. Boomers. You all have been in charge of this country for 30, maybe 40 fucking years. It's time to let that shit go. Retire. Enjoy yourselves. It's all good. But I digress. So yeah, everything got weird. It was a dark time. Dark, dark time. We got used to being home a lot. Even after things opened up a bit, we just got comfortable and spent a lot more time at home. So did everyone. I used to use Zoom for work calls, conference calls with clients. Now we use Zoom to just casually catch up with friends. It's not a bad thing. It's just different. I think that's the word that comes to mind when I think about now versus 16 months ago. Different. March 2020 was disruptive. There's been talk of returning to some kind of normal ever since. That doesn't really ever happen though, does it? We don't, and we'll never go back to some other time, the before times, some way that things were that are now defined as normal. Normal isn't something to strive for. Normal is just the way things are at that time. We experience a new normal every day. Sixteen months ago, I had some very specific plans and a lot of projects in the works. I was working on a collection of six new Here Inside songs that still aren't finished. I made plans to remix songs from the archives of Jester's Longevity with my longtime collaborator, Dave Bellard. Stay tuned to this episode for more from Bellard. I was working on two weekly podcasts, 5x5 and Doers. Uh, The former continued through the pandemic, but virtually and less frequently. Different. The latter was paused due to COVID and has yet to return. I started publishing this podcast consistently, monthly, at least for a few months. Things were finally starting to come together. It was supposed to be the year of rhythm, the year that I was able to take all of the changes of 2019, all of the new projects, and find some rhythm, some velocity. Get into a groove to build on the foundations that were established during the year of action, which was 2019. Well, 2020 turned out to be the year of chaos, and 2021 the year of recovery. We have a few more months of recovery left. For me personally, creativity is emerging again from the depths of wherever it retreated last year. I'm feeling positive about making things again. I have a desire to make sounds and put them together with other sounds. It's different, but good. What will 2022 be? I've learned to plan but not predict. I'm hoping it will be a reboot of the year of rhythm. 
I'm planning for that. But if I've learned anything from the past 16 months, it's that anything is possible, literally. And if 2022 takes as many unexpected turns as the past couple of years, I may be shocked, but I don't think I'll be surprised. Like I'm going, who's this guy? This podcast is being published on September 29th, 2021. It's the 50th anniversary of my birth. And I guess technically the 29th anniversary of my 21st birthday. Today I've completed my 50th year on the big spinning rock. 50. 50. That's a big number. Um, I think of it as being on the other side of midlife. A few observations about turning 50. 50 looks a hell of a lot different when you're knocking on the door than it did when you were 40 or 30 or especially a teenager. What does 50 look like for you now where you are? Maybe you're also 50 or maybe 50 seems really young to you. I hope not because that means you're a boomer. And I made a few cracks about boomers earlier that you probably didn't like. Sorry about that. But I digress again. Anyway, maybe you think 50 seems really old. And in a way it is. If you're a teenager, it's hard to imagine ever being 50. When I was a teenager, I definitely couldn't imagine doing what I do now that I am 50. I guess we project ourselves into certain age groups based on what those age groups look like at the time. Not how our own generation will evolve into it. We think that we'll become whatever people seem like in that group at the time we're thinking about it. I remember the stereotypes of the old men who lived around me when I was growing up. They had certain looks. In the 1970s, a 50-year-old man was wearing a shirt and tie in public. In the summer, there were a lot of shorts with high black socks. I'm not sure why. Um, But they did dress up a lot. They seemed old, a bit prudish, maybe a bit out of touch. And that world is what defined my idea of what it was going to be like to be a 50-year-old man, the World War II generation's version of it. Boomers were young men in their 20s. They had resisted the conformity of the 1950s and turned convention on its head in the 1960s. So by the 70s and 80s, when they were starting families and getting jobs to support them, they suddenly needed a little bit of that conformity back because they were living in the past generation's world. A couple of promotions later, and capitalism didn't seem so bad. A few decades later, they were in their 50s. The shirts and the ties were traded for jeans and polos. In the summer, the black socks and shorts went away, replaced by khakis and sandals with a tucked-in golf shirt and an attractive belt. They weren't the same as the previous generation. The 50s had evolved. And now at 50, I'm still listening to the bands I grew up with, Yeah, I like a lot of young bands who are in their 20s and 30s now, but the old bands still resonate with me. For example, growing up a metalhead in the 80s, one of my favorite bands is Anthrax. Scott Ian is now 57 years old. 57. They did a great YouTube retrospective of the band's 40-year career over the summer, and it was amazing. They've been playing for 40 years, yet the studio albums they released in the past 10 years are some of their best and their heaviest. 
By the time that band was 10 years old in 1991, I would imagine the assumption was that metal as we knew it then would cease to exist and bands like Anthrax and Metallica and Slayer and Megadeth would just fade away and those guys would find jobs and move on with their life. They certainly wouldn't still be doing the same thing in their 50s and I certainly wouldn't be listening to them in mine. You see, what happens is we don't become someone else's generation. We reach these milestone decades, but we don't lose what we've been. We bring it along for the ride. We create a new version of what a 50-year-old looks like. But, and this is a big but, as much as we don't want to admit it, or as much as we think it's not true, teenagers look at us in the same way we looked at 50-year-olds back in the day. We're not cool. We're just old. And we're just as out of touch as those old guys seemed when I was a kid. It's just the way it is. Alexa, volume up. Erase the filter. I once heard that acid reboots your brain, and the trip is it coming back online. I'm not sure if that's true or if I was tripping when I heard it. David Bellard and I have been friends for 32 years since the day we moved into our freshman dorm at Clarion University of Pennsylvania. I was 17 years old. He's a great friend, a fantastic artist, and a longtime collaborator. He also turned 50 this year. We had plans to celebrate our birthdays together and celebrate the music we made as Chester's longevity between 1998 and 2005, with remixes and remasters of several of those old tracks. But those plans, like so many others, were put on pause in 2020 and have yet to be reignited. They will. But we do find ourselves periodically catching up on Zoom, removing the geographical limitations between Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Seattle, Washington. And when we do, most of the time, we sound like a couple of old geezers waxing nostalgic about the years gone by and the antics that ensued. I guess that's what you do when you turn 50. Oh, and happy birthday to you as well, Gordo. At Clarion, if you took ceramics class, they fired this giant kiln that was down by the stadium. They fired it two or three times a semester because it was like a big ordeal. It was like this big outdoor brick thing with a, with this chimney in it. Right. If you were monitoring the kiln, you were also responsible. There's big chopped wood everywhere. You had to keep firing it. <laughs> so anyway, so as a, as a ceramic student, you had to you had to sign up for shifts. And uh, I had a shift, a midnight shift. I thought that that would be the most fun thing, like just hang out and do this killing at midnight. I remember distinctly, I was at a party, dropped acid. I knew, I knew that I had to go do this thing. Sure. But didn't matter. I dropped acid drinking and I looked at the time like I, I had Roger. I was like, Roger, you got to drive me down to this thing. Like, Did you drop acid intentionally because you knew no. you had it or it was just you just didn't care? Knowing myself back then, I did not care. Right. Dude. You knew you had to do this thing, but it was just like, well. Yeah, whatever. I can do it. Back in those days, we did so much that walking around and doing normal things wasn't so scary as it would be now. So I'm like, Roger, you got to take me down to this kiln. I got, I'm, it's my shift. <laughs> so he brings, he brings like a 12 pack of golden anniversary. 
<laughs> Rico peeling in his car, speeding around Clarion, tripping out of our minds with a 12-pack of Golden Annie in his car, and we go rolling up into this kiln thing. It's like this, you have to drive back this dirt driveway. We go rolling back there. We go busting out of his car like crazy people, right? We're talking loud. He's slinging his 12-pack, and it was two freshmen that were monitoring the kiln. <laughs> they were there. Are you a senior at this point? Uh, this would be like juniorish. So, so twenty twenty one. You were twenty, probably twenty twenty. I would, I would say, yeah, later. It would, it would be in the later years because they were freshmen, and it was so funny to Roger and me with these freshmen, and we knew we were freaking them out. And Roger and I are looking at the flames, and we're like, you could put on these goggles. The kiln is thousands of d- degrees inside the heat. And you can open up this little metal door. And if you put on these green goggles, like I don't know these goggles, you can right. put them on and you can look and you can see through the light. Otherwise, you just see white light. You can't see anything. It's just so the, the heat is so much. But if you put on these goggles, you can see the little vases and everything on these on these racks in there. And so we put this on and we're and tripping. This is insane. So we're screaming and yelling about how crazy that is and then roger's like you could throw a body in here like crazy people like crazy people nobody would know and and then we're like oh it's like a crematorium and then we're like the bodies are burning look at the flames we're out of our minds right we're just talking all this crazy stupid shit. right I don't know whether Brashear showed up. This is the guy who taught the class. I'm sure he just showed up just to make sure, sure that going all right. He knew Ballard was scheduled for midnight. Probably. Come I on, mean, th- those guys knew who we were. All I remember, you know, outside of, of the crazy stuff was him showing up and me and Roger were in full on drink, right? I mean, we're drinking. We were we were drinking beer. We were drinking before you got there. We got there. We're we're acting the fools, and uh, and we're drinking there. And he just comes down. He's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you guys doing?" <laughs> and and we're just and I'm like, "Oh man, we're just you know." Typical, typical Beller just saying, oh, come on, have a beer, Jim. Have, have a beer, Jim. This is Jason Mundock. Thanks for listening to Erase the Filter. Show notes can be found at erasethefilter.com. And if you have feedback about the show, feel free to email me at jmundock, J-M-U-N-D-O-K, at gmail.com. And always remember, open your mind, be yourself, erase the filter.